Alrighty. Welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network, and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. It's Sunday evening. <laughs> We've got a Drew Holiday trade to talk about. I'm Cam Tubbs-Tabai. I'm with Alex Goldberg. I'm with Dr. Justin Flynn. And to get to know the newest member of the Boston Celtics, we're going to welcome in our old friend Dalton Zell of Behind the Bucks Pass and Hoops Habit. Dalton, what is up? Not much, uh, just like you guys. It's what do you been mean, a crazy not much? week. <laughs> it's been a crazy week for all of us. I guess not much is a bit of an understatement, but you know, for us, for a few days, it was like, what just happened? Like even seeing Dame at the rally, I couldn't go because I've been moving. But even just seeing him there, it's just like, is this real? Like, it's so weird. Like I, I'm still kind of processing it. Every once in a while, I'll see a a picture of him in a jersey or him shooting at the practice facility and it's just like this is weird this is this is weird because we'll get into it later but this kind of came out of nowhere this whole thing just so unexpected and even with the holiday trade I kind of had a I had a feeling that Boston would go pretty hard after him but I'm like I don't think they'll be the top bidder I think I thought it was going to be Miami to be honest with you because they had missed out on Dame but seeing Boston it's just like Crazy. Crazy for all of us. So, Given both of our teams that we cover have uh, not been so lucky against the Miami Heat in recent years, it's exceptionally nice the way that this all unfolded, uh, where not only did the Heat get screwed once, they got screwed twice by Portland. I really want to do my due diligence and shout out my man, Joe Cronin, for that exact <laughs> point. Uh, Joe Cronin, I'm proud of you. You didn't bow to the pressure. You didn't bow to the uh, crooked media, and you didn't bow to the deep state uh, all coming at you, trying to force you to take a bullshit sandwich with this terrible Miami Heat offer that literally everybody said sucked and nobody thought was serious. And Pat Riley did not get away with it again. Thank you, Joe Cronin. You're a good man, and you've done a good service to the rest of the league. And your Portland Trailblazers are better for it. You did the right thing. Good, good shit, Joe Cronin. Good job. Good job by you. All right. I guess we're not getting monetized on YouTube this episode. <laughs> um, okay. This is not the point of the episode, but just because I'm thinking about it. So the final haul for Dane Willard is Aiton, Robert Williams, uh, the other young center I don't remember the name of, three first-round picks and two swaps. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's way better than Brogdon too. And Malcolm Brogdon, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and whatever Brogdon fetches. Yeah. And they could flip him. I think they're gonna flip him and get even more, you know. Yeah. So it, that's a nice haul. I think that's a pretty nice haul for Portland, it's, all things it's considered. A whole lot better than Tyler Hero, two first round picks, Nikola Jovic, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would like to humbly request that we never see any crying Miami Heat fans online again talking about how Joe Cronin didn't even take a good offer or did Dame dirty. He did neither of those things. He waited. He was patient. He did the best job he possibly could in that situation. And now his team is actually better for it. Good job, Joe Cronin. Wow, who knew that's how we're going to start this podcast? <laughs> Shout out to Joe Cronin. All right, Dalton, you cover the Bucks, um, and you're going to you're here to talk to us about Drew Holiday. So anyone who's listening, I'm sure, knows what has happened. But Boston just traded for, this is, now Sunday evening, but Sunday morning, traded for Drew Holiday, former All-Star, 
and out went Malcolm Brogdon, out went Robert Williams the third, out went a 2024 Golden State Warriors first round pick that Boston had, and Boston's unprotected 2029 first round pick. Now, Dalton, we were talking about this off air, so that's where I'm going to start, is tell us about Drew Holiday as in the most recent version of Drew Holiday, because we all know his resume, but where is he at now in his career? What is he bringing to Boston? Yeah, so he's obviously still a really good player. I mean, he's coming off a year where he was an all-star, and I believe it was first team all-defense. So he's obviously still one of the best two-way players there is, on top of being one of the best locker room guys, overall guys, you know, multi-time teammate of the year award, I want to say. And on the court, though, great defender, obviously. He's known for that throughout his career, usually picking up the toughest assignments for the Bucks. On offense, which we kind of had talked about off-air a little bit, pretty good in the regular season. Things hit or miss in the playoffs a little bit. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it's a great pickup for Boston. I think that's a great guy you kind of want to bring in there. I do have questions about not exactly the fit because he'll fit in there nicely, but one of my big gripes in Milwaukee was that they wanted him to play point guard but he's not a natural point guard. And I feel like they're going to do that in Boston as well with probably Holiday and White in the backcourt. So I'm kind of curious to see because he can he can do it, but it's not his natural thing. So for most of the offseason, when I anticipated that Holiday would be coming back, one of my big things was I want you to bring in a legit point guard or another ball handler, somebody who can let Holiday play the two, because I really think that's the best the way to get the best out of him. You look at his numbers in New Orleans when Lonzo was there and healthy. He was playing. Those were some of his best numbers of his career. So I'm curious to see. I think it'll, I think the fit in Boston is still good, even if he is that point guard, because a lot of those other guys can handle the ball and act as point guards. But I'm curious. It's a good move. It's a good pickup. Gave up a lot for him. But, you know, you look at when the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday, they gave up a lot for him. You have to give up a lot in today's NBA to get good players. So I think it's good for Boston. And to that end, you know, I, cause that was one of my concerns about Drew Holiday as well, is that um, in particular, he he's not a pure point guard and uh, asking him to be a pure point guard is not the best idea given that he's not really a pull-up shooter. Um, but Derek White was announced as the starting point guard for this team. Thank you. Like, within weeks mm-hmm. of Marcus Smart being traded. And so I do think that the plan for Boston is going to, that guy is a proven playoff winner. He knows exactly uh, what he contributes to a team. And I think in a bench role in particular, Horford is really going to thrive this year. Um, You look at the rest of the bench, this trade to me is at least partially a huge endorsement of Peyton, Peyton Pritchard. Like, that that guy is going to be playing real meaningful minutes as things are currently structured. Um, the Celtics have a platoon of bench wings. We'll see what happens there. I think out of those four guys, I'm optimistic that at least one of them can be a playoff rotation player. Um, but the big man situation, particularly given Porzingis's history of injuries and Al Horford's age, is something that is a real concern that Boston is going to have to address and not really... I, I know that their capability is limited, but they're going to have to do so in more than just like a buyout guy, band-aid replacement way. Like they need a real guy to come in and actually be there. 
I'm not sure that I agree with that, Alex. I've been thinking about that today. So I, I, the, I disagree for two reasons. First of all, I think probably Horford is not as proven and steady. I think I'm really worried about the postseason he had, and I actually wonder if that's the Horford that we're going to see next season. Is He's just in a different part of his career. That said, um, whether it's Banton and Stevens, whether it's Brissett, whether it's all of these guys, like if Boston staggers their four stars, there's going to be a lot of pressure taken off of the bench players to be traditional bench players because they're always going to be playing with all-star talent. So I actually, I think there's a world where Boston is able to like create ro- real rotation players out of uh, what already exists on the bench such that they have the ammo to go out and make a trade. And Dalton, I want to ask you about this in a way that I don't think the Bucks have. But I actually feel like Boston's current reserve players have a chance to be pretty effective because they're always going to be able to play with at least two all-stars at any given time. The Celtics have an unbelievable ability to not just stagger their two stars, stagger their four stars. Um, so let's go back to... If yeah. they're available. If they're available. But I, I, um, I really only have that concern with Porzingis. I don't. I have concerns up and down the roster. I mean, maybe a little bit less uh, in the backcourt with uh, Brogdon not on the team. But, I mean, like, if you look at Drew's availability throughout his career, he averages about 60 games a season. And that is not a market improvement over what Brogdon was bringing to the table to begin with. I, based on some of the things that we have heard uh, recently, I think there was a Jared Weiss piece out today. There were also some additional concerns besides his elbow about Brogdon's long-term future that were playing part of the role behind some of the, shall we say, discomfort between he and the Celtics front office this offseason, besides all the other things that went on, obviously. And between that, I mean, Rob's not on the roster anymore, but you still have Porzingis to deal with. Like you said, Al is the situation. O'Shea Brissett was dealing with a knee thing uh, that kept him out of the World Cup. There's lots of different injury issues going on with this team. And I think there's a good chance that either we can talk about this a little bit more later, but some of the some of the guys that they have on training camp deals, Nemes Keta, uh, Wanyan Gabriel, they might be able to eat enough minutes during the regular season for the, for the, a big man issue. But if Drew is out, uh, if someone in the backcourt is injured for any considerable length of time, then it's going to put more pressure on Drew to perform for the Celtics during the regular season. So I kind of do think they they need to make sure that they at least are comfortable with their their backcourt rotation and i i think there's a chance that they can come away with a big that can eat enough regular season minutes but then what happens if they get hurt if Porzingis turns an ankle has plantar fasciitis in the postseason there is no depth you know you have to find something a little bit stronger and i'm open to the idea of someone you know being like not you know scrap heap is not the right word that i'm looking for it's kind of insulting but like somebody who is not on a team right now, it's not going to be so great. So that means probably they're going to have to look for a trade. You know, uh, Brian Robb, I think, mentioned that they're not done making moves. Presumably, this is the area they'd be making moves. But I'm not very confident this is going to be the team that we see come April. But there's a long time between now and then. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I just don't think it's like, oh, no, the, the, how are they going to put together 48 minutes of rotation? All right. <laughs> I feel like we just said so much stuff. So let's let's reel it in a little bit. Dalton, your Bucks look pretty different. Alex, Justin, and Cameron, your Celtics look pretty different. With a little more specificity, Dalton, 
what's good with the Bucks? What is your expectation for their season? What is your expectation for how they match up with the Celtics? And then Dr. Quinn and Alex, I'll have you guys team up to answer that same question. What's going on with the Celtics? What are your expectations for them? And how do they match up specifically with the Bucks? So Dalton, Dame Lillard is in Cream City. Giannis still in Cream City. How are you feeling? I feel great. First of all, I think it's, I think it's a great move. You know, Giannis, of course, had been putting the pressure on the front office about, you know, wanting to make sure everybody was on the same page, which of course they are, you know, they're not going to rebuild when Giannis is there, of course, but still um, Giannis knows how to put pressure on him. And he did. I am, I, I'm still partially not really sure what to expect from the Bucks. Obviously I think they're going to be a top tier contender, but there are a lot of new variables. Like obviously people are going to look and be like, Oh yeah, they got Dame. That's pretty huge. That is, but they also have a new coach who's never been a coach before. That's one of the big things I kind of have circled. You know, how can, how is Adrian Griffin going to get things going? You know, is he going to connect with the players? Because that's a, that's a huge thing, you know, taking on a championship contender with arguably the best player in the world for your first head coaching job, you know? So I wonder what he's going to do. The roster's really different. Even outside of just losing Holiday, you lost Allen, you lost Ingles, you lost Javon Carter, you lost Wes Ma- Wesley Matthews, who were all big pieces, but I'm not so mad about that because the front office kind of said, hey, we got to get younger, we got to get more athletic. So they did. They brought in Balik Beasley, who I really like, most threes off the bench last season. I think he could really help, but I really liked what they did in the draft by bringing in two young wings. And then I think Marjan Bochamp is going to see a leap. So those are three players I also have circled because I have question marks. Can they play? Can they give you defense? Because after signing campaign today, who is another new addition that I'm curious to see how he fits in. The biggest question mark is wing defense. You know, you play a team like Boston. That was the Achilles heel back in 2022. It was not having a good enough wing defender. And they really haven't been able to since PJ Tucker left. So it looks like this year they're going to bank on Jay Crowder. I'm higher on Crowder more than most people. I think he can bounce back. I think last year was kind of an outlier because he sat out for most of the year and then got hurt in Milwaukee. So I think he can be better, but I don't think he's going to be like on the level of 2021 P.J. Tucker where he can be your starter throughout a playoff run and play at that high of a level. So I think they're really going to try to get something out of Bochamp, Livingston, or Jackson. A lot to ask from young guys, especially on a top contender like that. But I certainly think they're going to try to get Bochamp involved. A lot of people want him to be the starter. I don't think he's going to get that right away. But I, I have no idea who's going to be the shooting guard. But I do think they're going to try to feature Bochamp a little bit. And I'm curious, you know, because if he can be good, I've said for a few months now, he's kind of the X factor for this this whole thing because of that ability to be the big wing defender, the six foot six guy who the Bucks really haven't had since Tucker. One of my big things again against Boston, the Bucks were throwing six three, six four, and six five guys at Tatum and Brown, and they they would just kill him. So that was a big thing they kind of addressed. So I like it. I like the changes they made. Aside from Lillard, it might not seem significant, but they they did a nice retooling. They got a lot of flack for re-signing Giannis's brother and <laughs> signing um, Robin Lopez, you know. Of course, all that talk went out the window with Dame, but 
There are other moves I really like. I like the Beasley signing. I like the Young Wings being drafted. I like campaign. I like it. I like what they've done. I'm curious to see how it all fits together, though, because for the first time in a long time, Mike Boonholzer isn't there. I want to mm-hmm. see what schemes are used, what Griffin does on offense, what kind of lineups he likes to use. So I'm intrigued. Um, that's kind of the best way I can describe it heading into the season. It's not like other seasons where I'm like, I know what Mike Boonholzer is going to do. I know he's going to play the starters, not a lot of minutes play a lot of the wrong guys sometimes to be quite honest with you i don't know what griffin's gonna do so i'm excited i'm excited and intrigued that's the best way i can put it fun that's so so upbeat for uh, a lot of question marks all right dr quinn and alex i'm gonna go to you next but first i'm gonna pause the action and talk about our friends over at fanduel because you can snap into action this nfl season with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 200 dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. I'm just going to say the name Taylor Swift. I'm sure the SEO gods will crawl that and love that. Taylor Swift, NFL, oh my God. Also Dalton, uh, looks like the pack, you know, whatever. Um, whether you are bullish on the pack, whether you are worried about the Dolphins, or whether you are a sad Patriots fan, the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can look at spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wagers are uh, $10 as first deposits only. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5054-247 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. righty, back to the action. Um, don't scroll when you're doing an ad read because it jumbles the text and you lose your place. Anyways, Dr. Quinn, uh, Dr. Alex, Boston Celtics also... A lot of movement. Smart is gone. Grant is gone. Time Lord is gone. Gallinari is gone. Um, this team looks really different, and they certainly have title aspirations. Dalton was incredibly upbeat about this change. How are you feeling about uh, the Boston Celtics? Dr. Quinn, I'll go to you first. I think they're going to need some luck, uh, and you always need some luck, but you know, when you have a bunch of players who are concentrating your cap space and have injury histories, uh, performance issues in the playoffs, as you mentioned earlier, there are things that can go wrong. I'm going to look on the bright side until I have a reason not to, but we would be not doing our job if we did not talk about the fact that with this incredibly higher ceiling, I think, I think they definitely raised their ceiling considerably with this move. They also raised their floor pretty considerably too, depending on how things pan out. There's lots of reason for optimism, seeing as the most important players are fairly sturdy and young, uh, but they're not getting younger. And the new cap uh, structure means that probably they have one, maybe two cracks at this before they have to do even bigger moves. And they've retained a a decent amount of uh, assets in terms of draft capital and players to do it with. But the the path to landing the plane on championship uh, airstrip has gotten much, much more fraught. I mean, either stick with the present or go long term. 
So I think after um, this past season, like a lot of people could sense that change was coming for the Celtics. Um, Brad Stevens has shown that he is extremely aggressive in the pursuit of winning a title. Um, that's been true throughout his entire tenure. I think that being said, this has been easily the most aggressive offseason he's had, fundamentally shaking up the concept of the team, trading away kind of key role players to try and go for what I think in in Holiday and Porzingis are two very clear like attempts, like we are we are trying to win the title this year. Um, and I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, um, you know, they want to win the title and they think they can't do it, but Perhaps more relevant is that Jason Tatum's extension is looming. And I think Brad Stevens is conscious of that and wants to show Jason Tatum, hey, we are really committed to trying to make this thing work and doing whatever it takes to build you the best roster possible. Um, that being said, I think this is a move where I, I've, I've been really torn on this move because I, I do... I, I did like the identity that the Celtics were heading into this year with before they traded for Holiday. And that identity has changed um, with that trade to a degree. Um, the top five of this team is staggeringly loaded. And to me, I feel like they might have the best starting lineup in the league on their hands when opening night rolls around. Um, the depth is a concern. The, uh, there are some areas where like Drew Holiday shooting and the, the late game offense, I, I still have questions about. Um, but from an on paper starting five, to me, I, I can't think of a starting five that has more talent on both ends of the ball. Um, maybe the Denver Nuggets, but that would be about it. Um, as far as how they match up with the rest of the Eastern Conference, look, given the way that the conference has shaken out somewhat disastrously for Miami and Philly, the kind of two teams that I think would be most likely to challenge Milwaukee or Boston, um, it, it's pretty clear now that barring catastrophic injuries, the Bucks and Celtics are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't think there's really any reasonable expectation otherwise, again, barring like a, a significant injury, which could happen for both of these teams. Um, as far as how they match up with each other, I'm going to be really interested to see that because, uh, and I want to give a shout out to the guys at Unoball who were talking about this as I was driving uh, from Boston to New York just now. They they mentioned that um, in previous iterations of Bucks Celtics, uh, some of those games have frankly been completely unwatchable, um, just like brutal rock fight slogs where everybody was upset and nobody was having fun. Um, and you know, some of those series, I think for and I think I speak for everyone on this pod. Some of those series took years off of my life. Um, these teams play each other super hard every time that they play, uh, and the results have often been gross. Um, this time around, it's going to be a little different. Both of these teams, I think, have gotten a lot more dynamic offensively. Um, Porzingis uh, as a kind of hub, Drew Holiday as a playmaker. Obviously, the Damian Lillard uh, Giannis pick and roll is, to me, probably the single most dangerous play in basketball. Um, at least looking at kind of where the league is shaking out. So that matchup is going to look really different, but I think it will still be a real battle for both of these teams. Like they both enter as I think the clear top two in the East um, and a potential playoff series between these two rosters as they're fully healthy could be like one of the great playoff series ever. I, I really think that. Um, 
as to how they stack up with the rest of the league, I think we have to we have to see on the court to really know that. My my gut instinct is that they're among the handful of teams that can win the title. I would still lean that I think Denver has earned the right to be considered the best team heading into this year. Um, but the league does feel pretty wide open. And I think both the Celtics and the Bucks have a really great shot, like as good as they've had in their particular eras. I have a quick question for everybody. Regarding the Phoenix Suns, what is going on with what, what, why? I don't understand. Do any of you see what they're doing and think it's good? I think the only logical explanation for why they made that trade is that those guys really don't like DeAndre Ayton. Like that's the only thing I could come up with. Yeah. No, guys, it's it's a great trade. They they took Grayson Allen from Milwaukee, helped Milwaukee get Dame. I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. I, can Wait, see I that. sincerely th- I sincerely think it was a great trade. No, why is that? I Wait, disagree. I have, I have a bunch of hot takes that I'm going to fire off, and now. <laughs> okay, please, please. Okay, no one on that team is taller than six nine who plays anything close to the center position. So I'm curious. I mean, we we saw the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. Let Jimmy Butler play center for long stretches. Yeah. You know, Bam out of bio. I don't know. If I quietly listen to your guys. Good deal better than Yusuf Nurkic. What? Everyone put the mute a, a wee bit, I. <laughs> Mr. Mr. T is talking. First of all, because he asked, Phoenix saved a ton of money trading Aiton for Nurkic. They're like in the triple tax. It saves so much money for them, right? Sorry, they actually did. They How? added money. How? The, I, oh, I of- don't because of the Grayson Allen contract and because of everything else that came with it, they are actually a more expensive team now than they were with DeAndre Ayton. Wow, that's <laughs> flabbergasting. Um, not a great way for me to start my hot take hour, but um, I will still maintain, I think Grayson Allen actually, well, Dalton, you can speak to this, is probably a useful role player for a team highly leveraged. Um, maybe not in the postseason, but... Yeah, I think, he, I think he's a nice role player. I think he's... Some of the stuff that I was seeing on Twitter after he got traded there, a lot of people saying like, what do you mean? Oh, he's exactly what the Suns need. He's an elite defender, a top five shooter. And I'm just like, calm calm down a little bit. Like, as you guys know, in 2022, the Jays were smiling as soon as they saw Grayson Allen matched up with them in the the playoffs. So I don't know about elite defender. I don't know about great defender. Okay defender, yeah. Is he a good shooter? Yeah, not really in the playoffs. Um, I'm still kind of haunted by that Boston series, what he did in there with his shooting. But I think he's a I think he's a good role player. I'd like to see what he does in Phoenix alongside guys like Booker and KD and Beal, because I think he's kind of just going to be like a spot up shooter, and they have a lot of those. It feels like on the roster. So I'm curious to see what he how he kind of fits in there. I wonder, but. Yeah, not an elite defender by any stretch, but a useful role player. I will I will give him that. The Suns are going to definitely break the record for most made threes in the game. Okay, anyways, let me do my Celtics hot takes. Alex, this Boston Celtics categorically have the best starting lineup in the NBA. Apropos of injury, there is not a team in the league that can even come close to sniffing that. Dr. Quinn, there's no way that he can afford that starting lineup for more than a season. Because next year, even if Drew opts out and restructures this contract, they will be on the hook for something like 160 or 170 million dollars just for uh, White, Porzingis, Holiday, Brown, and Tatum. To say nothing of Tatum's extension. If they win, they might be ballsy. If they don't win, yeah, I see some 
additional major changes coming. I don't disagree. Yeah, I think that um, it, it's 100% an all-in move, not because WIC is cheap or I'm counting as pennies. It's just like that's the structure of the new CBA. So I think two things can be true because I was against this trade. I still, I think in theory, I'm against this trade. I think this is the best starting five in basketball. I don't really think there's much of an argument against that. And I also think that uh, it's it's really all or nothing because I don't see a way that they can like legally afford this team for more than 18 months. So two things can be true at once, that this is phenomenally uh, attractive on paper and barring health, just like a flabbergastingly like, good team. You like that for an advert, Dr. Quinn? Um, and at the same time, I don't know how sustainable it is because like, how could it be? All right. I had to get that off my chest. Dalton, is there any possibility that it's not Buck Celtics in the conference finals? Give us your thesis. I think the only thing that could really stop it is an injury. The Bucks have kind of had that issue over the past two years. They even had it in 21 when DiVincenzo got hurt in the first round, but more so over the past two years, 22, Chris Middleton, uh, MCL in the first round. 2023, Giannis hurts his back 10 minutes into the game. Health has been kind of a big thing for the Bucks. They've been freak injuries. Middleton slipped on some sweat. Giannis, yeah. uh, Kevin Love taking a charge and he just fell on his back. Like they've been really freak injuries. So as long as both teams are healthy, I think they could meet there because looking at the rest of the conference, I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. Like I, I thought that's Harden the, was, that's uh, the wild card. Not now. Maybe if the deadline of things go very badly there, something could materialize out of that, but more likely than not, it'd be the West Coast. So, well, because I thought I thought there was ultimately I thought Harden was going to go somewhere and Drew or Harden was going to go to the Clippers and Holiday was going to go to Philadelphia because it just seemed like that that would have made sense and Portland would have got more assets, but that ultimately didn't happen. So, I don't know what is Harden going to go. Is Harden going to show up to camp and? you know, put a smile on his face and actually play throughout the season. Like he's, he's straight up calling Daryl Morey a liar and saying all this bad stuff about him. Like, I don't think you can come back from that. And Miami, you know, Miami was supposed to be hunting for stars all, all year. And I know they're coming off a, a finals run, but one team just got Drew Holiday, Chris Stops, you know, guys who have been all stars. And the other team just got, one of the best point guards in the NBA, you know, like what have you guys done? They haven't really done anything. So I would put the bucks and the Celtics in their own tier. And then everybody else kind of under that. I don't know how it's going to shake out. I think there could be some like good regular season teams. Like I think Cleveland's going to be really interesting this year with that Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland pairing. You know, I think they could be special. Donovan Mitchell's kind of um, hot take for me. Donovan Mitchell is a dark horse MVP on my my oh, end. I kind I think they could win a lot of games in the regular season. I think he could really do good. So I think Cleveland will be a good regular season team, but everybody else, it's just kind of like I look at the Bucks and the Celtics and I just see them, not to get cocky, but I just see them as kind of like a tier above. And part of that's because of the star power, part of that's because of the experience both teams have, you know. I have questions about the coaches for both teams, but I think the players can kind of make up for that. So I do think it is 
I don't know what order I would put them in. I, I don't even know who's going to start at shooting guard for my team. So it's kind of hard to gauge them a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, I do think it is. Yes. I do think it is Buck Celtics and whoever you want to put three through 15, I'll listen, but that's just my thoughts. All right. Dalton, you said a lot and I'm going to come back to you because I think we're all going to arrive at the conclusion that the Bucks and Celtics will meet at some point in the postseason. So I'm going to put you on the spot in a moment and make you make a prediction. Dr. Quinn and Alex, I'm also going to ask you to do that. Before that, I'm going to ask each of you why it won't be Bucks and Celtics in the postseason, and you're not allowed to pick injuries because Dalton already used that. So, Alex, I'll go to you first this time. Give us a reason why it won't be Bucks and Celtics in the conference finals, and you can't say injuries. Okay. And I can't say, like, catastrophic climate change renders Boston uninhabitable. Uh, no, that's like more of a 2030s thing. Um, okay, I can go Fair first enough. if you. Need to I, 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 no, I'll, 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 I got you. Um, I think catastrophic injuries aside, um, chemistry fit doesn't work with one of these two teams. Uh, coaching issues abound, and you know it all just kind of becomes like a needlessly dramatic issue where like talent is uh, not enough to save bad vibes. And some team like the Atlanta Hawks gets really hot for, you know, uh, at the right time. And like Trey Young goes on a crazy shooting spree or like, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley like figures something out and Mobley like takes a huge leap. Um, I'm not pegging either of those. Or, or maybe we get the fabled Joel, MV, Joel Embiid, like I am the best player in the league playoff run. I'm not counting on any of those things happening, but you know, crazy stuff happens in the NBA playoffs all the time. All right, we've got injuries. We've got crazy stuff happens. Dr. Gwynn? This might fall under crazy stuff happening, but it's a different kind of crazy stuff happening. But I thought Alex was going to do the thing I always do to him, which was steal his <laughs> idea. <laughs> uh, in this case, I was kind of hinting at it earlier. You might be able to guess where I'm going with this, but there's a certain... Eastern Conference team that has been hoarding picks with its eye on maybe on his Antetokounmpo, but if another star were to become very pissed off at his current situation because they were not able to solve the James Harden situation, if Joel Embiid ends up on the Knicks, that could be a team that could be dangerous enough to take out one of those two teams. That's what I was going to say. That's a good one. Um, all right, I'll have one, and I think as Bucks and Celtics people, we're in no position to really argue this is pat riley that dude seems to keep making it happen and the track record's pretty good for the past couple of years so oh you mean, you mean, all, you mean almost <laughs> pat <laughs> hey his team has gone to more congress uh, finals appearance than any of these teams um so i'm gonna say pat, i'm gonna say pat riley pulling it out is just as likely as the next trade from Embiid this season if we're being honest that's true what would you guys think of, of Harden ending up there? That's the one thing that kind of just keeps like, I'm like, Miami's got to make a move and Philadelphia's got to get rid of Harden. Could they maybe work something unless, there? Unless Riley's going to hang it up in two years. He's too smart. Like I, He's like, let's roll the dice. Let's see what happens. I just, I don't think he wants any of James Harden's BS. There, there are other um, high-powered offensive player, borderline all-star types who I think will be shaking loose within the coming weeks um, that I think... Miami Heat are going to be interested in. I'm looking at you, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I don't even think, I think Riley's too smart for that, too. I think he'll either get Buddy Heald or in a season they'll get Cat or Embiid or something. Anyways, 
Man, we keep talking about Joe Cronin and the Heat. What the hell? Dalton from Behind the Box Pass and Hoops Habit. We've come to the conclusion that the Boston Celtics and the, the Milwaukee Bucks are on a collision course. And we've decided we don't even know what their starting lineups are. We don't know if they're going to be healthy. Who knows with these coaches? It's all well and good. Intellectually honest. Dalton, make a prediction. Seven game series, go. Who wins? Well, of course I have to pick the Bucks. I do think, <laughs> I do think though, it would be just a bloodbath for seven games. Some of the most exciting basketball that I've ever seen because these teams, like we've said, our benches are kind of thin. But like these starting fives was when the lineup shrink in the playoffs and you're really relying on those top guys. That's crazy. Like those are some high profile guys just going at it. Drew, Dame, Giannis, Porzingis, um, Tatum, Brown, all this stuff. Middleton, who I think is going to be better this coming season. I think it'd be crazy. But I also, something I wonder what you guys think about too. I don't think both of these teams are going to look like this when the when the trade deadline comes because I know you guys have some more picks that you can trade and I do think you're going to trade for a big in some capacity. I don't know who's going to become available or something, but I kind of look at that right now like if these teams met right now, my big thing is okay, you guys have good defenders for Middleton and um Dame, but who's going to consistently guard Giannis? Like I know Horford's there. Horford's been very good at it, but you lost Smart and Grant Williams and Robert Williams, and those were yeah. those were pretty good guys defending Giannis. You know, especially Marcus Smart and Grant Williams could really irritate him at times. You know, with the the flopping sometimes and the just sometimes good defense. Like those guys were they were good Giannis defenders, and Porzingis certainly isn't a strong defender in that regard. Whereas like he's gonna lock him down like Horford has done or like Grant Williams has done in the past. So I think. Even if Lillard and Middleton are kind of limited by Brown and all these other guys, I think Giannis could do good down low. We saw what he was doing in 2022 when those guys were there, when the you know he was putting up, I forget the exact stat line, but it was like first player with 200 points, 100 rebounds, however many assists in a series or something like that. It was just some some crazy stat that was showing how much help he didn't have and how much he was producing with those quote-unquote Giannis stoppers as they've been referred to there so I'm curious about that like I said I do think you'll you'll get somebody you'll get a big to address that I don't think Brad Stevens is going to be like oh no we'll just roll with uh Horford Porzingis and Luke Cornett and just be like yeah okay that's fine and I do think the Bucks certainly don't have as much assets as Boston but I do think something will come and I think it'll be for like a big wing defender for Boston, you know, like something that's kind of just been lingering in the back of my head is I wonder if like Philadelphia blows it up. If the bucks are just like, Hey, can we just like get PJ Tucker like back? <laughs> can we just have him back? And I know he's, I think he's 39, 38. So he's getting up there too, but the bucks brought him in for one playoff run before. So I think they're going to be looking at a big wing, a defensive guy. And they have they have decent salary. Like if they're willing to trade Portis and Connaughton, you can match up to like twenty million there. They don't have a lot of picks. I think they have very few second round picks even. But yeah, um, that's just kind of how I look at it. Like I drew it out way too much. But if I'm picking right now, I have to be biased and pick the Bucks, even if I don't know who the shooting guard is. I we can say it'll be Malik Beasley. I worried about I worry about 
him getting targeted as I have with Grayson Allen, but I think the Dame addition is so huge because the Bucks just in the playoffs they've lacked that offensive juice for like five years, all three, even like six years, all three of Bledsoe's years couldn't give you nothing on offense. All three of Drew's years couldn't give you nothing on offense except for every once in a while. So even if the defense isn't really there from Dame, the offense is going to be in. I think that's going to be huge for everybody else. So give me the Bucks. There you go. One vote Bucks. Uh, Dr. Quinn, Celtics Bucks. Meeting up in the postseason, who you got? It's closer than I think a lot of people want to admit. I think both teams have some interesting new wrinkles. I mean, I expect to see some post moves out of Giannis uh, if he's spending $50,000 for some post lessons from a master. And maybe we won't see those in the regular season, but as we have been intimating here, uh, I do think that we will see some very new looks from both teams and how they play each other when they do collide in the postseason. And really, you know, this is going to be sounding like a cop-out, but whichever player has the least important player to their rotations not hurt, I think is going to come away with a win. Obviously, I'm biased. Obviously, I'm going to pick Celtics, but it's going to be closer than I think a lot of us want to be comfortable admitting. Alex? Um, well, so if we're going to go with biased answers, I'm obviously picking the Celtics. Um, I think, but I think there are some like rational reasons to believe that as well. Um, so to your point earlier, Dalton, you know, the honest pick and roll uh, with Damian Lillard, as I said, is a functionally unguardable play. Um, but as you mentioned before, Giannis kind of tore the Celtics up in their previous series against the Bucks, and the Celtics found a way to win in spite of that. It's not like Giannis was playing poorly. He was incredible in all of those series. Um, I think that the deal with stopping the Bucks is that it's never really been like, we need to shut down Giannis because barring an injury, that is functionally not a thing that happens. You don't shut down Giannis. That's not how that works. It's about limiting him and about um, exploiting matchups on the other end to your advantage. I think the Celtics offense is much more dynamic and dangerous with the additions of Holiday and Porzingis than it was uh, in previous iterations, relying a lot on kind of just isolation brilliance from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, for lack of a better word. Um, and defensively, while I can see the idea that like there is a drop off to some degree, I think that one thing I've been kind of beating the drum about all offseason is that Kristaps Porzingis by the advanced metrics is actually a really good rim protector um, and has been. I think it's more of a scheme issue than a personnel issue for Boston's defense. Can they find the right way to play to limit, um, you know, superstars and to kind of maintain effectiveness? But the thing I keep coming back to in this matchup is that Brad Stevens hates the idea of having any weak links in the defensive chain. And right now, this Celtics starting lineup just doesn't have any. Like, even if you grant that, like, Porzingis is probably not great as a perimeter defender or Jalen Brown will get back cut at the end of the day both of those guys are still above average for their position on defense Drew Holiday Derek White obviously two of the best perimeter defenders in the game right now Jason Tatum has been getting better every single year on defense to the point where he is now an actual plus defender in most matchups and Giannis and Dame are two generational players so people are going to have a hard time guarding them always but to me, what it comes down to 
is that the Celtics are a little bigger. Um, they have a little bit more dynamism in terms of just like the sheer number of looks that they can throw at you. And frankly, I am a little concerned about uh, the Bucks rotation outside of their top three. Uh, Brooke Lopez, another year older. To me, I I didn't love what I saw in the playoffs from Brooke. And I, I get that he was obviously in an impossible situation with Giannis injured, but he looked a little creaky. Um, that fifth and and that wing defense thing, the thing that has always been the Bucks Achilles heel in the postseason, like may, maybe Jay Crowder can come back to being a guy. I, I, the reality is I don't think that the Bucks wing defender solution is currently on their roster. I think they might be able to acquire that person via a trade or other piece. But to me, as, until they can solve their wing defense problem, Tatum and Brown just eat every single year against those guys. And so it's it's really hard for me, even trying to be somewhat unbiased to, to pick against Boston in that series. But I do think it's going to be a war because Lillard and Giannis together is just like brutal. I do have to say, I do agree with, a lot of what you said a lot of what you said is true the one thing i will say is that mike budenholzer is gone that's one of two things i'll say mike budenholzer as i kind of alluded to earlier a lot of a lot of odd decision making in terms of who is playing at certain times i remember during in against the heat in 2020 it's an issue that we've always kind of had he loves playing guards who are under six foot five and telling them you know, go guard Tatum or Brown or Jimmy Butler. And it just never works because they're just going to shoot over them or just take advantage of them. So the Bucks kind of address that. I keep going back to the young guys. I'm not expecting the young guys to be a leader or anything like that, but they're all over 6'6". So I think that certainly helps a little bit, especially Bochamp, as I said earlier. I do think they're going to try to get him and just kind of like pray that he's he can be a good defender, hit some threes every once in a while. but they're really trying to get that wing defender internally and they got three of them over six, five. Now that was something that's haunted them for years, not saying they're going to be perfect not saying they're going to stop Tatum or Brown. Certainly. I certainly think that wing defense is still a problem. Crowder, even though I think he'll be better, still a little worried about it, but another big thing was the lack of athleticism, which those three guys kind of bring, but you know, last year in the playoffs, we had Joe Ingles, guarding Jimmy Butler like what are we what are we doing here we had I'm trying to think we had Wesley Matthews who is just like I forget how old he is he's still breathing still breathing still breathing now a member of the Hawks but that's kind of been the Bucks thing is okay we're the oldest team in the league we really don't have a lot of athletic guys and that's that you know we're just going to throw Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton or Joe Ingles at these guys and hope that they can slow them down and they they can't they're just like not tall enough so that's kind of that was kind of a bud thing bud loved doing that he didn't really know how to stagger that and sometimes it was because of personnel you know against you guys wesley matthews was i think wesley matthews was like the tallest defender they had and i think he was like six four i think Connaughton might be six five but yeah so I'm kind of kind of pushing my chips in on the young guys and just going to sleep praying at night that they can be good because if you can get any of those guys to be solid defenders, it's gonna help in a series against Boston. But like I said, I think 
I think a trade will be made down the line to get another wing defender, get a, a proven guy in there and just hope he can do what P.J. Tucker did in 2021. Even if you got a trade, Connaughton, Portis, or even Crowder down the line, you know, that's a hefty chunk of salary there. So I am curious. I'm curious to see what both of our teams do as the season progresses and something I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. I'll just round it out. I will say that as much as I think Damian Lillard is absolute baby food on defense, and it's going to be a huge problem for the Bucs, he's never played with a player as good as Giannis. And more importantly for this conversation, I sincerely believe that most of the time in the NBA, the best player wins a series. And there are like LeBron teams from the past where it's like, ooh, yeah, but like that's really pushing that theory, isn't it? And this maybe has the trappings of that, but I'm going to go with Giannis and the Bucs. Jason Tatum, challenge extended, be the best player in the series against the Bucs, which you have done in flashes, but you have needed support. And I don't know. I'm going with the Greek freak on this one, even though I I think so poorly of Damian Lillard's defense. See what you're doing with the PSYOPs. They never play well when they are not the underdog. No, I'm just keeping it real. Giannis is a generational MVP, and Tatum hasn't proven, and he is either. So we will see. I do think a lot of people kind of, Kind of everybody's so focused on the defense, but nobody's really talking about how Giannis has never played with a score of like Dame's caliber. Oh, like God, no. Middleton's been a great score, but his career average is like less than twenty points per game. I think it might be around just twenty. But no, I mean there was that one series against the Celtics where yeah, yeah, Middleton was like Michael Jordan, but yeah, yeah he's but not, like that's not his game. He, it's always been about the defense, you know, even with Holiday really good defender but he's never played with another guy who can go get 30 on a nightly basis like average 30 not get 30 because Middleton can obviously but Dame's a guy who can get you 30 every single night if you really wanted him to Giannis has never played with a guy like that and I think that'll help in the playoffs you know if everybody stays healthy which I certainly hope that's a that's huge to have another guy who can take some of that pressure off of Giannis because even look during the finals run, Giannis was dropping 40, 50, just to keep them afloat sometimes while Middleton and Drew were having terrible games. So I think that offense is going to be scary. And that's been one of the biggest holes for the Bucks year after year after year is we don't have enough good scorers outside of Giannis. And Middleton's mostly been pretty good in the playoffs lately, but in the earlier Budenholzer days, he kind of had his issues. But Really curious to see that two-man pick and roll, as you've said before. Really curious about it. All right, we got to put a pin in it then. Uh, here, tomorrow's media day. We've got training camp and we've got preseason, so let's stop flapping our gums and actually enjoy some NBA basketball. Just one other thing before we close out. Um, rest in peace, Tim Wakefield. Deeply sad moment yeah. for Boston. But, uh, yeah, Tim Wakefield was the coolest pitcher that uh, I have seen in a long time. And... Uh, I, I just wanted to mention that. No, absolutely. That's a somber but important note to end on. Um, so yeah, we're thinking of the Wakefield family. We've been talking to Dalton Sell. He comes from behind the Bucks pass at Hoops Habit. This episode of the Celtics Cup Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports full body health. As much as we've been talking about the NBA postseason, we'll be back in a few days to talk about training camp. Until then, adios.